0: Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you will come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road, Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. Now, we hope you enjoy this lesson brought to us by Paul Owen. This morning I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Our scripture reading, the Matthew 18 32 through 35, so, Lord's concluding remarks in the parable of the unforgiving servant, starting in 32. So, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not have also had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? His master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all the debt, all that was due to him. So, My Heavenly Father also will do to you, if each of you, from his heart, does not forgive his brother of his trespasses.
1: I want to say good morning to everybody and hope you're having a great morning of worship and your hearts are being encouraged. If you have a Bible, you might grab it because we'll be using it today to look up several verses relative to our subject of forgiveness. Thank Tony for leading those songs uh, about forgiveness and for Gary's beautiful prayer and for Hunter leading us and thought of the taking the Lord's Supper. Do you have a reading plan for reading the Bible? Are you in a plan? I hope that you are a daily Bible reader because that renews your mind. It refocuses you every day. It, it keeps us away from sin. It keeps us closer to the Lord. And so I hope... Uh, if you don't have a plan, uh, a goal and so it's just like a, a path, it's a map to get you to a goal, to read every day and to stay in God's word. I hope that you will do that. Did you know that the only animal the grizzly bear will eat with is a skunk? It's not that the grizzly bear does not resent the little stripe intruder because he does. It's not because that the grizzly bear with one swipe couldn't eliminate the skunk, because he could. So why doesn't he? He doesn't because he knows the high cost of getting even, right? Isn't it interesting that animals are sometimes smarter than humans? I mean, we'll let someone's action make us real angry, and we'll stew over that thing, and we'll get all torn up inside and And we'll let our blood pressure go sky high. We'll stay awake at night rehearsing that thing, making it bigger and bigger. We'll let our souls be turned black with hate as we contemplate how we might get even. I want to tell you this morning that bitterness is a dangerous plague that eats away at the vitality of your soul until once a a very bright soul has been stained with blackness of bitterness. It has been called the cancer of the soul, and that's exactly right. In fact, it's more dangerous than the cancer of the body because its effects go beyond this life right into the next. Every person in this room, at some point, will have to deal with the hurt That's been caused by another human being. Perhaps a person that you love and a person that you trusted. It's just going to happen. And what you choose to do as a result of that hurt will determine whether you'll be infected with this spiritual cancer. You see, there is no chemotherapy or immunotherapy for bitterness. There's no radiation that'll take it away. There's simply not. But there is a biblical cure. Did you know that? And that cure is expressed in one of the most beautiful words in the English language, and that is the word forgiveness. And that word forgive is made up of two words, and it's the second word that carries the meaning. So to forgive is to give a penitent person A release of the wrong that he or she has done. It means that you're going to give up all rights of retaliation. You see, forgiveness is at the center of the Christian faith. To forgive is to be like your father, God. But to be bitter, to hate... To hold a grudge, that's to be like the great enemy of God, Satan. And so that's the reason it is so important today that as Christians we understand what it means to forgive, why it is necessary, and most important, how to forgive. So I want to begin today with a warning, the warning, and that is that bitterness has such a high cost and hope that you won't go down that road. There's a couple of men that were walking through the countryside, and they were headed to a village because they were going to harvest some crops. And they chanced upon this elderly lady who was sitting at a riverbank, and she was crying out to them because she was trying to get to the other side but could not. And so the first guy said, well, he said, you know, what I'll do is I'll take you over. And it was an offer that uh, she gratefully accepted. So the two men joined hands, lifted her up, and took her to the other side. They set her down and she just thanked him and thanked him and thanked him. And then they went on their way. <laughs> well, about a mile later, the second fella began to complain. He said, look at my clothes. He said, they're filthy because we had to take that woman across the river. And my back is starting to hurt. I can feel it getting stiff. Well, they went a while longer. And then he started complaining again. He said, my back hurts so bad because we had to take that silly woman across the river. I can barely go on anymore. And at that point, he lay down. And so the first friend looked down at the second, and he said, friend, he said, the reason your back hurts is you have not put that woman down yet. You're still carrying her. He said, I put her down five miles ago. That is a lot like trying to carry bitterness, my friend. It will weigh you down. It will keep you from making any further progress. It will stop you in your tracks spiritually. And it is true, very true, that bitterness seldom is ever confined to one area in our life. You know why? It's because it is such a volatile emotion. The swelling river of bitterness spills over into other places in your life. It spills over on other people and hurts them. It spills on other people and it infects them. You look at a marriage that has bitterness. Oh, and it's so sad. It almost always takes a toll on the little precious defenseless children that are involved. And do you know that people who are filled with hate and bitterness have fewer and fewer friends? I mean, the suspicions, the distrust, the corrosive cynicism... It's like trying to be friends with a porcupine. It just doesn't work too well, does it? How about you? If you were looking for a close friend, would you, would you choose someone that was full of hate, been soured on life? I don't think so. I don't think that you would. And then look at the mental and physical ramifications of being Bitter. We mentioned the high blood pressure, the digestive issues, the ulcers, the heart disease, the mental breakdown. You see, you and I will never, ever created to be able to withstand the constant presence of emotions that bitterness unleashes. We just weren't. We break down. And then bitterness can cause us to go into sin, other sin. The thing that you and I have to remember is that you and I are accountable before God for our actions. It doesn't matter what someone else says or does. We are never justified to personally hurt someone because they have hurt us. Such vengeful behavior is evil and wicked and it stands opposed to God. Now, sometimes people's justification, and we hear this sometimes, well, what do you expect me to do after what they did to me? And that sounds good. The only problem is it is totally wrong. It is wrong. Take your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Matthew chapter 5, verse 44. Matthew 5, 44. This is what Jesus had to say. He said, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. Now go over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but give rather a place for wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. And then Proverbs twenty-four twenty-nine: Do not say unto him, I will do to you as you have done to me. We are accountable before God. When we think about or try to get even, we are as guilty as the person who wronged us. But I want to tell you something. There is even a greater, more serious issue at stake. If you are filled with bitterness and you have an unforgiving spirit, it will cost you your salvation. Boy, that's a high cost. Jesus made this clear in Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Matthew six fourteen and 15. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you also. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you of your trespasses. See, forgiving other people and being forgiven by God is a, is, is a package. It's a package. You cannot have one without the other. They go together. They cannot be separated. George... Herbert wrote, he that cannot forgive others breaks the bridge over which he himself must pass if he would ever reach heaven, the high cost of bitterness. So let's look secondly this morning at what is forgiveness? What is, you know, some people say, well, you know, forgiveness means forgetting, you know, forgive and forget. You've heard that before. But I want to ask you, how do you forget someone who has hurt you so badly to the very core? And perhaps today you are still dealing with the consequences. You just cannot turn off your mind. I want to suggest to you that forgiving is not forgetting. One of the two Greek words translated forgive in the New Testament is the word eiphaimi. It means to completely cancel a debt. Now, get this in your minds. It means to completely cancel a debt or penalty. See, if you and I have a contract, and let's say that you owe me $5,000 and I cancel that debt, that means that you are free of the obligations of that contract. You're free. You owe me nothing. Let's say that you do something wrong to me and I forgive you. That means that you are free of any blame. I have forgiven that. But there's even a caveat to that because sometimes we can be forgiven but there are lasting consequences, right? You understand that? I remember when I was preaching in in Missouri we had a man that I was studying with, he and his wife and uh, studied with them, baptized them. A great couple. But the man during our study said, you know, he said, I need to tell you that I've got some, I've got some legal problems. Uh, A year ago, this happened. I got into trouble. Uh, I did some things that I should not have done. Uh, I hurt someone else in, in their property uh, while I was drinking, and it was just a terrible thing. He said, I, I've been sober for a, a good while now, over a year. And he said, uh, But I've got a court date coming. And I said, Oh, you do. He said, But I'm still forgiven, right? <laughs> I said, Yeah, you're still forgiven. You're still forgiven. So a couple of us went up there and for you know character witnesses before the judge for him and what he had done with his life but you know what he still had to go to prison for a period of time and he was going to prison on Monday and that Sunday that Sunday morning he came forward and with his permission I I talked to the congregation about it and uh, that he was going to prison but he was forgiven and I made a point to let the young people know that about the consequences of what happened here still had to be paid. Well, it was a great occasion that we were able, the church was to write him letters in prison each week and he stayed faithful. But he had to pay the consequences. Sometimes there may be in a marriage where adultery happens. What a grievous sin that is. And and so maybe he or she takes that spouse back. But there's still times where, you know, there'll be some trust issues. Trust has to be rebuilt. So, you look at forgiveness and you say, well, you know, forgiveness, I understand that, that, that that debt is paid in full. It's canceled. And so, forgiveness is simple enough in theory, but let me tell you, it is difficult to practice. It may be one of the most difficult things that God asks us to do because of our innate sense of justice pulls against it. We think that person has done wrong and that person needs to be held liable for that. He's guilty. He needs to pay. But in forgiveness, the blame, is, the blame is dismissed. Let's say a year at Lowe's. You go there sometimes, don't you? And let's suppose that a distracted driver, not that there's any in the Huntsville area, and, and, and it... The car backs into your car. It hits your car. It's not major damage. But even light damage is a couple of thousand dollars at least, right? And so you get out of your car and then this young lady comes and she says, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I wasn't paying attention. My, my kids there in the back were, were crying and I was looking back at them. And, and I'm just so sorry. He said, but I don't have any insurance. I don't have a job. My husband left me about six months ago, and I'm just trying to make it. I'm trying to find a job. I think I'll have one next week. And when I do have a job, I'll pay you whatever. I mean, I'll pay you every month to get your car fixed. And let's suppose you just have sympathy for that lady and her, her place of difficulty that she's in right now. And you say, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to forgive the damages to my car. You might say, I'm going to forgive the damages to your car. You owe me nothing. Well, who pays for your car to be fixed then? Who? You do. I do. Either through cash or higher insurance premiums. But someone is going to have to pay for that. Does that make sense to you? But let's say that, that I tell that young lady, hey, I forgive you of the damages to my car. Now, I want $100 a month plus another 250 for pain and suffering. You'd say, well, Paul, <laughs> that, wasn't, that wasn't forgiveness. That's repayment. Forgiveness is never a receipt given for a debt that is paid in full. Somebody may ask though, they say, oh wait, do I have to uh, forgive a person or should I forgive a person if they never acknowledge their sin and they won't say that they're sorry? I believe the biblical answer to that is no. Forgiveness is granted when there has been repentance. Take, take, Take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 17. I want to show something to you. Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. Luke 17, 3 and 4. This is Jesus talking here, and he said, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. Notice the condition of forgiveness in that verse. If he repents, Forgive him. Jesus was hanging between heaven and earth on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Did, did his Father forgive them at that moment? He did not. The reason we know that is 50 days later in Acts chapter 2, God is still holding them accountable before their sin of crucifying his son. Because he said through his spokesman Peter, God has made this Jesus whom you crucified both Lord and Christ. And the Bible says that they were cut to the heart. And they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Well, nothing. You've already been forgiven. No, he said, repent and be baptized. So repentance is always a condition for God's forgiveness. You look at the loving father in Luke chapter 15. I mean, he forgave that young son. He reinstated him back into the family. But it was only after he said, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. He didn't pronounce forgiveness and restore him back to the family while he was still living among the pig pens in the far country. David said, you know, David committed adultery with Bathsheba and had Uriah murdered, but he was not forgiven until he said before Nathan, I have sinned. So forgiveness is granted by God only when there has been repentance. So you say, well, well, that's good then. Can I go ahead and be bitter and, and be mean to that person until they repent? Do not avenge yourselves. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. There may be somebody out in the world who treats you miserably. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? Well, I suggest that you turn that matter over to God. It's kind of interesting when Paul was talking to Timothy. Remember how he warned him about Alexander the the coppersmith in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He said, Timothy, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, but never mind. I have forgiven him. He didn't say that. He said this, he said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. The Lord will repay him according to his deeds. if there's a problem with a brother and sister, we need to follow Matthew chapter 18. You have a a problem with an individual in this body. Don't go to the elders. Don't go to the preachers. You go to that person and you work that out. And you work are obedient to that and so you follow Matthew chapter 18 and let's say that that person still will not repent you must turn it over to the proper authority and that is God and then what do you do? you're sitting in church service and you look at that person you're going to think I sure wish they'd straighten up I don't know what their problem is I sure wish they'd listen this lesson lesson's being preached right now is that the way we are to be? No, this is the way we're supposed to be. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 44, pray for those who persecute you. In in Luke chapter 6, verse 28, he says, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. And so in this instance, we turn the matter over to God, leaving the door open, praying for that person in a loving way, hoping that one day they'll see the error of their ways and they repent. And when they do, what is your responsibility? Your responsibility is to forgive. And I'm going to show in a minute how important that is to God that we forgive. But you might say, you know what? That's just not who I am. That's not my personality. I I just don't think I can do that. Wait a minute. The Bible doesn't say that you should forgive. God says you must forgive if you want to be forgiven. If you think that our sense of justice, wanting the guilty to pay, is strong... My, oh my. You think about a holy God who is perfect in holiness and power and justice. God's sense of justice is infinitely stronger than ours. And for all of us who wear flesh, that's a terrible thought. I mean, Hebrews chapter 10 verse 31 says, it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. By all rights, none of us should ever get be able to get by with our rebellious attitudes or our selfishness or our neglect or our sin justice demands that sin must be paid for and what's the penalty the penalty is death Romans 6 23 the wages as Gary Bond said in his prayer the just earnings what we've earned is death And our Creator is a just God, and He will not be mocked. He will not be mocked. And so all the things that you have done against Him, all the things that I have done against Him, must be paid for. And what's the payment price? It is your life, it is my life, and our eternal souls. And so here we are this morning, in this beautiful auditorium, singing, making melody in our hearts, worshiping God, and we are forgiven. So who paid that? Did we? We didn't because we're still walking around alive, right? We didn't do it. So who paid for that forgiveness before God? God paid for it Himself. And my friend, that is the story of the cross. The story of the cross is this Jesus, this Emmanuel, this God with us, He was God in the flesh. Jesus, the God of this universe, hanging on the cross, absorbing in himself every wretched and miserable sin that we have ever committed against him. Was it hard? You better believe it was hard. What was costly? More than we will ever fathom. Did we deserve that kind of sacrifice? No, we didn't. And God says, because I have done this for you, You forgive one another. Just a little bit ago, Jeff read from Matthew chapter 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. You remember how the king was settling accounts. And he came upon one person who owed him quite a bit of money. 750,000 pounds of something. Gold, silver, copper, I don't know what it was, but it was and the hundreds of millions or billions of dollars. And, and, and he, he called and said, hey, you need to pay up. And the guy says, I can't. I can't pay. And he was going to throw him into prison. He said, please have mercy. Please have patience with me. Don't sell my wife and kids. And so he had mercy on him, and he forgave him. And you remember how that fellow went out and found someone who owed him three months wages. And the Bible says he began to choke him. That doesn't sound very nice. And he said, you pay this back. And the guy says, I can't. Please have mercy. Please be patient. And he said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to throw you in prison. That's what he did. And the Bible says the other servants, when they saw this, were incensed. And they went to the king and they told him exactly what happened. And the king burned with anger. And he rescinded that debt and that forgiveness. And that man had to pay and he was put in prison. But did you notice the end of that parable? What Jesus says? He says this. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you. If you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You ever have to apologize to your brother or sister when you were little? Now what did mama say? You apologize. You say you're sorry. And what would you say? You said sorry. And what she say? No, no, no. You say it like you mean it. That's what Jesus is saying here. You forgive somebody, but just don't do it verbally. You do it from your heart. You mean it, right? You mean it. I think somehow that God wants us to see in this, this parable. He wants to see that you and I, who are the big debtors, that we forgive our brothers and sisters who were the little debtors. I think somehow that this, this parable is linked to what Jesus said about having a log in our eye, looking at the speck, trying to get the speck out of our, our brother's eye. We need to make sure that we're not too partial with ourselves, that we're hypocritical in this. Now, have you ever watched somebody run a stop sign? I mean, they'll slow down a little bit. You ever seen that? Maybe they're... they're In a a subdivision, they're pulling out to the main street and there's always lots of cars on these two-lane roads around here and they just kind of slow down and then they take off. And you say, wait, what did that person just do? They didn't stop. I sure wish there was a policeman around here. That's a big deal. And that same day, an hour later, you come to a stop sign and you think, ah, I better go, and you go, and you don't stop. And someone in the car says, well, you didn't stop for this. Well, you know what? I'm in a hurry. I have an appointment. Isn't that the way we do it? That's the way we do it. See, I'm going to maximize the faults of others and minimize my own. Let's make sure that we don't do that. So, what are we saying? We're saying that it costs God, the life of His Son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us. And so He has every right, according to all that is fair, to ask us to forgive our brothers and sisters. So lastly today, how do we forgive? How do we do it? Well, we learn from our Father, right? We want to be like our Father. Become closer and more like the divine nature, right? Each and every day. And so a good description is found in Jeremiah. Take your Bibles and turn over to Jeremiah chapter 31, 34, chapter 31, verse 34. No more shall every man teach his neighbor, and every man his brother, saying, I know the Lord, for they all shall know me, from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord for i will forgive their iniquity and their sins i will remember no more and isaiah 43:25 says even i i am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake and i will remember your sins no more hebrews 10:17 i will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more so in god in forgiving us promise not to remember our sins the word remember in those particular verses is the Hebrew word zakar. According to Vine, Vine, Vine's dictionary, it means to, rem, to remember, to think of, or to make mention of. That word is found in Genesis chapter 40 verse 14. Remember when Joseph was in the prison? And remember he said to the cupbearer, he said, Remember me, zakar me, before Pharaoh, that's the word that he used. And so what God is telling us, what God is promising us in the passage in Isaiah and Jeremiah in the book of Hebrews is not that he's going to have a memory lapse. God is omniscient. He knows everything. He doesn't forget in that sense, but what he is promising in the forgiving of our sins that I'm not going to bring it up to you anymore. I'm not going to throw it in your face. I'm not going to mention it anymore. Your sin account is cleared that's what forgiveness means but you say Paul how about me how do I go about dealing with the painful memories of someone who hurt me so bad I think about it every day how do I do it I think forgetting is a byproduct of forgiveness I really do And so in your promise before God is that you're not going to bring it up to that person anymore. You've forgiven them, right? Don't bring it up anymore. Don't talk to your best friends about it anymore. Don't rehearse it in your mind anymore. If you start, just change channels and and think about something else. And in time, that matter will go dim in your memory by the way of neglect. Neglect. You will neglect that memory. Is what you need to do. You say, Paul, will I ever forget that? No, you probably won't ever forget it. But in time, the pain will grow less and less and hopefully that relationship can be restored. So this morning in conclusion, I want to ask you the question, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Been hanging on for a long time. Been eating at you. I pray that you will put away the pride, put away the pain, and do the right thing. Move from a position of weakness spiritually to a position of strength. Oh, forgiveness. Forgiveness is of God, authored by God. It's a very bright light in an otherwise dark world, isn't it? Maybe your issue this morning as we close is, Paul, it's not the other person I have trouble forgiving. It's myself. Well, have you prayed and asked God for forgiveness? Have you repented? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. But I still think about it. It still bothers me. You need to believe what God says that He's forgiven you. Believe it. Trust it. God always pays His bills. He's told you that. So we have to make a decision. Am I going to live by the God of my feelings? Or i am going to live by the God of the Bible? I hope that you live by God of the Bible. Today, if there have any need that you have in your spiritual life, and your spiritual journey, we want to help you in any way that we can. If there's an issue with forgiveness, I pray that you'll take care of that today in a, in a private way. If there's something we can help you with far as obeying the gospel, if you're not a Christian, we want to help you with that. If you have any need, please come as we stand and as we sing.
0: We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Paul Owen. If you have comments or questions, Paul can be reached by email at owen at westhuntsville.org.